Hello, I'm Brian Foster, and today I'm talking about Spiritism, and we are going live streaming through the mist, the book in PDF, there's links down in the description, uh, by a wonderful spirit, only named Fred, he was to uh, remain anonymous, transcribed by the medium R.J. Lees. We are on Chapter 7, The Door of Hope Ajar. Now, this is a book. This has been six chapters, but it's really covered just probably not that many days in heaven. He had, uh, Fred had gone into a busy street in the late 19th century London where there was uh, carriages, and he tried to rescue a little kind of street urchin boy. Uh, they both woke up in a grassy knoll, and they could see the mist down in in down in the, the depths of people kind of, you could see that they're like newly dead being led by uh, higher spirits and, and they felt no pain. So that it's just, they had no memory of the pain and, and their death. So this is how death works sometimes. And so, so far he's gone through, he's, he's taken the path up out of heaven. And now in the last chapter, it was on this marvelous chapter, it was chapter six. I actually covered three live streams. You may want to go back and see them. And there's a playlist called Through the Mist. I keep I always keep playlists of all the, all the books I read. So you can go through my playlist and see what I've read. And he had this marvelous kind of like healing concert. And they had this concert and they had, then they had people brought in on these like divans or hospital roll, you know, beds. And this, and they kind of prepared everything. And then this wonderful, a uh, man came and just kind of awoke each one of them and they were contorted or they were asleep. They must have been covered from either recovered from the lower zone where they had bad thoughts and they turned into what their bad thoughts were because you are what you think in the spirit world. And so that's what's happened. That, that is just now at the end of that concert. Now, before we begin, I'd like to have a little prayer. Dear Jesus, please help us prepare for what is coming ahead. We are now transitioning from a planet of atonement to a planet of regeneration. And I believe we fully realize this will not be a smooth transition. There will be many things that will happen that will open people's eyes and let them look into the spirit world with a fresh breath and new ideas of love and fraternity and charity. But it may be dramatic. Please give comfort and insight to all of us. Amen. So, um, again, before we begin, if you are interested in Spiritism, I suggest you read... Oh, did the wrong thing here. My free PDF book, Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. And you can get that on my site, nwspiritism.com. You can also get it in French and also in Kindle format, paperback, and Audible. I also have an audible format, the whole spirits book, every chapter. And you can download that in MP3 or like an audible format. It's, it's, it's two files because they're so large, but you can also download the spirits book in that, in, in audible format. So let's begin our chapter seven, the door of hope ajar. Take this off first.
The multitude had departed. The hall was nearly empty. And that's, of course, what I said about he had this, this wonderful kind of healing concert. The still bewildered, bewildered initiates had received the congratulations of personal friends and retired to the home from which they had been so recently carried, the three chiefs remaining the sole occupants of the arena. But I lingered in my seat, cherishing a hope I would not breathe to my companion on account of its audacity, yet wildly thinking that it might be gratified by some fortuitous circumstance or unimaginable coincidence. I could not hold myself responsible for his presence, since it came upon me unsolicited, unsolicited, unexpected, and unprepared, one of those sudden incursions of desire which, coming on with a flood, carries the heart away upon its torrent before resistance is possible, even were such advisable. But when it came, and I realized the pleasure of its anticipation, but rather clung tennis tenaciously to the idea as if it were the secret in the key of life. It also resembled a flood in a secondary manner. It force was spent in its first wild rush, but as the moments flew by, its curtains subsided down, down, and down until the tiny stream trembled upon the point of stagnation and the eddy of reaction whispered was all over. I rose to take my reluctant departure when a tongue of light darted towards us from the little group, and my companion said, Mahin would be pleased to speak with you. Now, this is what his desire was, and of course he thought himself too humble um, to go speak to him. Mahin is the one who just did all these marvelous things and went and, and gave passes over people and woke them up. You know, he is the very talented higher spirit. I'll carry on. My expiring hope, my wild desire, was granted. I was glad that I had risen when the message came. It lessened the delay with which I answered it. He came to meet me at the instant, and side by side, his arm around me and his hand affectionately laid upon my shoulder, we approached Kushna and the Assyrian. As we met, and his arms encircled me, but spoke two words, my brother. But when he had finished, there was nothing more to say. Language had been exhausted, and comprehension was incapable of grasping a wider expanse. Had there been a discord in my past experience? If so, it was obliterated from my memory by the music of his voice. If I had suffered heartache, it was eradicated, and the wound healed under the influence of that balm of greeting. If my hopes had felt a blighting frost of disappointment, a rich harvest of fruition sprang into existence under the warmth of that embrace. The words are not new to earth, but men pronounce them with a sharp metallic sound, and the resonant fullness can only be estimated when I heard in conjunction with the perfect rendering of the music to which I listened. It was a chord that once struck can never die away. It felt, I fell into, it fell into my soul like a plummet in the ocean, waking its, in its first plunge, a deep and lingering monotone, but as it sank, a chime of melody arose whose virgin song must echo and re-echo till every fathom and that shoreless of sea of life is filled with a harmony which had been born of sympathy. Miahin was silent, as if listening to the, rever the reverberations, rever reverberations, rever rever reverberations rolling around us. I'm, uh, I'm having a hard time speaking tonight. I apologize. I was reverberations. There you go. I was overwhelmed with the suspendous vistas of the possibility of feeling, the floodgates of which he had threw wide open by the utterance of those two words. Now, 
what he is saying is just the mere touch and the mere words of 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 Mayahin just just like altered him and just made him made him uh, his his soul vibrate with harmony and love and 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 um, he was comforted he 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 passed he let all these past worries behind him and this is said about other spirits and other people it's been told in uh, messages from near-death in uh, experiences ndes and it's been said by spirits this one spirit who was on in this this vast temple and jesus came walking down he was actually carried by someone and uh and put on this like this huge giant shoulder and jesus would give each as he passed each person, he would hand to him a little, like a little posy, a little flower, and the person would touch the flower, and in that instant, he just felt like Jesus knew him and loved him, and just made him feel good. And if there was anything that he that that well, first the spirit said there's something I've been working on for a long time. I couldn't figure it out, and then I knew it. And when he talked afterwards, when Jesus had left the, the arena, everyone said, yeah, everyone who had some, some hard problem, something that was kind of stopping their progress, uh, it, it vanished. They knew the answer. They all felt better. They all felt Jesus knew them personally. And this is the power of a high spirit. And in fact, in one of the uh, spirit stories by... Uh, I think it was in the Reverend Jival Owen, one of the spirits was talking to him about these two women that were in uh, sleeping and they came to the spirit world. And one of the spirits said, you know, and they were talking to her and trying to help her uh, solve her problems on earth. And then she, she came up to hug him and he said, no, no, you better not hug me because if you do, you'll never want to go back. And the hidden message in that is that you would feel so good, you would feel so relaxed, so in harmony, so in tune and, and, and interpenetrated by the love of God and the spirit world around you, you would say, I don't want to go back. Even though she had children <laughs> on the earth, it, he knew the power of, of feeling that would be overwhelming. And so that is something that we need to take to heart is yes on in this physical world we all feel lonely and isolated at times and i believe a lot of it is because we have instincts and memories from our life in the spirit world well where we were connected with everyone and we felt the connection many people like in, in empaths still feel that connection they can feel what other people feel but for the majority of us we don't we consciously don't feel it. We kind of subconsciously we do, I'm sure, to a certain extent. But we don't we don't feel that connectivity. We don't feel that love from people. It, it, usually, it's the opposite. We feel kind of nervous and you know shy around people. So know that this this physical uh, period of time on Earth is short, as it feels like in the spirit world, and that we are immortal, and you'll go back into that wonderful wonderful land 
I'll carry on. Had I the power, I would not have dared to speak and thus assassinate such melody as his voice produced. So brief in its delivery, it was yet the longest and most eloquent discourse to which I had ever listened. Even now, I am but just able to comprehend its outline. To fully assimilate, it will be to fully assimilate it, it will be the study of eternity. Its echoes are still ringing through the corridors of my being, sounding the keynote of my every joy, and so will continue until I bear the still sweeter music of the voice of him in whose utterance lies the full chorus of the eternal psalm, whose lip on earth gave form such sounds no other has had the power to imitate, and who in heaven has the skill to wake the strains divine. So, that's again... Two words, you know, my my brother, <laughs> and yet he just felt he felt nothing he had felt before, and you know I felt I have felt the love of the spirit world just two times. One was in a dream where I was in my mother's arms, and you know, she had passed before, uh, a while before, and I just felt this complete covering of love. Another was at a spiritist meeting, and I just must have been in the right manner. And, I, and I've tried to reproduce this. As I failed. I, I need to keep improving. But this woman was talking about how she was helping another woman doing something. And I just looked at her, and I just felt, I just felt the love. I, I could just feel the love all around. And it was just... It was just it was ecstasy. It was just marvelous. There's nothing like it. If you can f just feel a glimpse of that, that you know that warm bath. It's like you're in this bath of love. It's just that's what the spirit world feels, and that's why whatever we have to go through, and whatever decisions we have to make in order to rewire our brain and to follow our conscience. Even though our decision to say we're going to have less material goods, right? Less opportunity for advancement, less happiness in the short term on earth. It's everything is worth it. And that's what the spirit world tells us is that we will be rewarded a hundredfold for whatever we, we uh, sacrifice here on earth. I'll carry on. The Assyrian put an end to my contemplation by asking me if I enjoyed the chorale. I am scared, and he answered, I'm scarcely in a, in a condition to express an intelligent opinion on anything, I replied. I am in a maze of bewilderment to which every feature and development of this life contributes, rendering me unable to find words, thoughts, or emotions capable of adequately expressing my feelings. I quite understand your position, he responded. Fortunately, you are not expected at present to systematically appropriate all you see, but you will acquire the ability to do so as you proceed. This ceremony affords an illustration as to the methods we employ for correcting one of the injustices of earth, as well as the compensation which results to those who have nobly tried to do their duty, even when their effects have been frustrated. So again, and again, look Look at the, at, and this is why you know this is a real, because look at the, what he tells the, the spirit who just newly died. I understand your position. And I know that you really can't understand everything right now. This is how spirits talk to you. They are direct. 
they're loving, but they're not gushing. They're, they're not, they don't, you know, they're not like, he didn't say, oh, you're so wonderful. I, I understand it. I know you're full of love and it's just going on and on. Like what a great guy he is. And, you know, he understands his, his problem. No, he just said it. I understand your position and I know you're not ready for this yet. This is how spirits talk to it. If you're in a mediums meeting and the spirits tries to, to just flatter you beyond what you think is correct, that spirit is not a high spirit. As I was talking yesterday, I was talking about the Emanuel Swedenborg who came, uh, I think, 150 years before Swedenborg. And his first encounter was a spirit. He was in this pub in England, right? This is, I think, in the 1650s. Or maybe it was 100 years before uh, Alan Kardec. And, no, wait. Was, yeah, 150. So, he was in this pub. And, I'm, I'm sorry, I was in this, I think 17-somethings. And he was sitting there eating something. And you know, in those days, in, in the 18th century, is the people who had money were fat, right? Because to show that you're fat mean that you had money and you were well off. It's not like today where everyone wants to be thin and in shape. Uh, then it was like if you had a little bit of weight on you, hey, <laughs> you're an accomplished, you're, you're successful. You're not starving to death. So he was there eating, and then a spirit showed up, came up to him and said, you're too fat. The first words he heard. And from that, Emmanuel Swedenborg wrote many books, all in Latin, and exposed what he learned about the spirit world, was taken to different places all over, all over the place. But the spirit probably told him that is because he wanted him to take care of himself because he had more years to, to live and he didn't want them eating the excess and making it tougher to make sure that he lived that long. Again, this is how we are talked to. I'll give you one more example. A man was uh, talking to us. He was giving us a, a, a speech kind of during the Spiritual Center in Rio de Janeiro. And he said that he was, you know, he works for a living. He doesn't just give speeches, right? So he said, I went and I was on this business trip. And then, and he was a medium, very powerful medium. And I was kind of sitting in this restaurant overlooking the ocean and I had a glass of wine. He goes, oh, and he thought to him, he, he, said, he said, I thought to myself, it feels so good to relax and do nothing for a while. And he, he says, and then a voice in my mind said, well, no, this is not vacation time for you. You're supposed to work all the time. So, I mean, again, this is, you know, this is really where we live. Your life isn't meant to be a, you know, a vacation at a deluxe five-star resort. You have work to do. You're going to have work to do in the spirit world, too. But we have work to do here. And our major task for the vast majority of us is to rewire our brain. Okay. Uh, I'll carry on. Duty would be an easy task, I said, if a brief vision of such a consummation could be granted in 
in the law of the battle or during the time of the disappointed warriors weeping. But I would like to ask you if, if you generally receive such visible responses to your prayers in this life as that cloud which fell upon you after the invocation. My brother, it was Mahin who replied, no fervent prayer should be possible either here or on the earth without its definite invisible reply. When in the other life you preferred a request to your father or a friend, did you not expect such an answer? Undoubtedly from our fellow man, but then when we each occupied a similar condition, God being a spirit, we have looked for his reply in a spiritual sense. You forgot. You forget that your petition was offered for your benefit, then that your being material necessitated a material reply. For instance, when you prayed for food to relieve a fam-stricken district, you would require wheat and bread for the sustenance of the body, not spiritual food, to strengthen the soul. He answered, certainly, and God would answer that prayer by putting it into the hearts of his people to contribute towards the purchase of such food. Do you think... You honor God by calling those who, his people who refrain from doing a simple act of humanity until he puts pressure upon them. Should not a fellow feeling have prompted it without appealing to God for assistance in the matter? And then he said, Fred said, I agree with you in that. But as every good gift proceeds from him, such a result would be considered an answer to our request. Then he said, but you have no direct evidence that your prayer rose higher than the roof of the room in which it was breathed. When you consider an answer from God was nothing more than an act of humanity on the part of your fellow creatures, the Jews would not have been satisfied without an oral authoritative and unequivocal reply. <laughs> then he said, then the spirit said, Fred, that was in the days of the oracle, but you must be cognizant of the fact that such has long since ceased and its revival would be regarded unnatural and contrary to the present divine method of procedure. So, what Fred, this newly spirit who just died, is coming over and said he doesn't really expect replies replies to his prayer. And then he kind of rationalizes the replies that he does get when people do give food that he's asked for to help people in the in the slums of uh, London that you know that probably God and his angels help help uh, motivate people to give. And now the spirit's arguing with them, saying, uh, let's think about that. So now the spirit arguing with says, not so. Say rather that it has ceased because of the unnatural and erroneous teachings which have gained the ascendancy. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so long as he is God, the thing which hath been is that which shall be. The, the position which the church in every age should occupy is to demonstrate the truth showing that the recorded facts of the past are presumptively true by the evidence of the corresponding powers manifested today. And this because God lives and is unchangeable, whose works are not for a special people, time, and place, but like himself are for all and forever. A contrary position is false and illogical and exposes man, the man who holds it, while contending for an unchangeable God to the ridicule and contempt of his adversary. So again, this goes into the argument where people say, um, in whatever text, religious text, but let me give you an example of the New and the Old, the Old and New Testament, that this is the Word of God and it can't be changed. And it, it, it's, it's, it's static. And he's saying, no, God is here. He was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
God is always talking to us. Jesus is always talking to us. God is God lives and is unchangeable. We may understand things differently, but God in the spirit world is going to continually communicate with us. And to say that any communication, especially, and even now there's a lot of Christian prophets out there who are, who are prophesizing things are going to happen. Is that false? Because it doesn't say so in the Bible. Now, a lot of these people say, oh, according to this uh, chapter and verse, I believe it's going to be like this. And that's fine. That's an interpretation. But still, they're saying something's going to happen by the power of Jesus and God helping it. That is showing the dynamic works of the spirit world upon our lives. Just every incident of our life, every episode and period of drama is something that's in, that is uh, is arranged by the by the blueprint that we are given as we are born. We are so connected with the spirit world, you cannot believe it. Let me carry on. So he's telling, no, this is God's there. He's going to tell you. Now, how do we know? Now, let's see how he answers this. Then the Spirit says, but where is the necessity for such visible signs? Since, since the complete revelation was made by Jesus. I'm not ask, I'm asking not for controversy, but with a desire to know the truth, as you see it from your higher condition and long experience. Okay, let's see what he says now. That's a good question. He says, Jesus exposed everything. I don't agree with that. He says, fear not to push your inquiries, my brother. It is always a pleasure to remove a doubt or expose an error. As to the necessity of visible signs on the earth, we are not called upon to decide. It is sufficient for us that they were ordained in the beginning and have never yet been abrogated in the revelation made by Jesus. The question of its completeness, we must be content to wait for the present. He's right now he's telling them, no, he's not done. Visible signs form a prominent feature to which he appealed for confirmation of his mission. He promised also that they should follow those who believed for a similar attestation. His promise was redeemed in the history of the early church. Such visible signs were intended and out to be the witness of the same today. Wherein lies the root of these erroneous ideas and misconceptions as far as you understand them? So, again... Now, he's asking a good question. Okay, if that's the case, why do we like think that all those signs, that's all in the past and it doesn't happen now? And of course, the high spirit saying they do happen, you just don't see them. And the words of Jesus and God are dynamic. They will always come with us and they'll tell us more. And in spirit just says, they will communicate to us on the level that they can at the level of our culture and technology. Okay, so then he said, okay, well, what's the root of these misconceptions? So then the higher spirit answered, they have various origins, the first of which is due to the false position to which the Bible has been forced by claiming it to be the word of God, a finished and perfect revelation, instead of taking it at its own value as containing the word of God to a specific people designed for guidance under certain conditions, and but a fragment of that revelation which began in the beginning of man's existence and which will be carried on to its close. So he's saying this, this is to a specific people designed for guidance under, under specific conditions. Exactly what spiritism says. And this is written 
This is not by a spirit, this medium. This is written by a, a spirit talking to another medium. Jesus wrote, No law which was handed to his disciples with the command to keep, neither did he commission anyone else to do so after his departure. His injunction was to preach, and that only as the Spirit should give them utterance, that the voice of Spirit being the continuance of revelation until time should cease, leading his followers into all mysteries. So revelations are always going to come. As we learn more and understand more, more will be given. And that is what spiritism is so powerful, is they're giving us so much more revelations. They're telling us concrete revelations about heaven and the processes, how reincarnation and karma works. It's fascinating. He carries on. Another source of error arises from the interpretation and reinterpretation of the most un unsatisfactory authority that it may be made to meet the off-recurring difficulties due to scientific and intellectual advancement. Truth, as perceived in one century, has naturally been outgrown and become an error in the next, while the struggle to maintain the authority of the book and adapt its interpretations to the new conditions caused divisions and dissensions without number, each of which have expelled the error and engrafted its own idea of truth, propagated from an undue emphasis of some passage upon which it is founded, without reference to the many, without, which others often construe into an entirely opposite claim. Gradually, these innumerable dogmas have received a wider sanction. At the same time, the idea that signs and prophecies have ceased has been taught a necessity until at length the tradition and authority of the church has usurped the living word and lively oracles of God with the unavoidable result of error and confusion. So what he's saying is the church has tried to say, nope, all these prophecies, they've all been taught in the Old and New Testament. And you just listen to us from now on. That's not what Spiritism wants. That's not what Jesus wants. That's not what God wants. They, we're going to be talked to over and over again. And as we go from a plan of atonement to a plan of regeneration, more and more people are going to be able to hear the words of the spirit world to them. And this is by design. What Spiritism has told us is Jesus has decided that the organized religions have been husbanding, has been closing off, has been selfish with their with their words. A lot, and before, a lot of the, the mediums were like priests and reverends, etc. And now they're going to say, no, we're going to open this up. And that your religion and your spirituality is going to be your personal relationship with Jesus and God. And this is where I believe spiritism helps the most because it just gives you knowledge. It's not telling you dogma you have to live by. It's not telling you you have to dress this way or eat that way or not do this or not do that. It's saying, okay, here's what we know. Here's what we know about Jesus. Here's what we know about spirits. You are a spirit. You're immortal. You're here on earth. You're here to learn. All sorts of information are in the books by spiritist mediums and books I've written. And it's there. It's there for you to study and read and then decide for yourself what does that mean for you. I'll carry on. 
admitting your position for the sake of the argument and allowing the probability of self-interested teachers promulgating error by concealing certain aspects of truth for base and unworthy motives, can you doubt that there are many faithful among the people, earnest hearts, who are seeking and waiting for the consolation of the Lord, or explain why visible tokens of divine presence are withheld from such? God has never been left without a witness. Faithful watchers in the temple have always kept the lamp of revelation burning and the oracle alive. History and biography are well illustrated by such examples. The salt of the earth who maintain the standard and show the possibilities from which the church has degenerated. These only emphasize the truth I'm declaring to you since their experiences are capable of universal extension. One example of the spirit world trying to show the Catholic Church with their, their error is when St. Francis of Sissi came. St. Francis of Sissi was one of Jesus' apostles who volunteered to, to incarnate again in order to sow the church. This is how you should do it. You should give to the poor, help the poor, not build these. You know, these are wonderful edifices. The, these churches you go to Europe, they're just gorgeous, but that's not what that's not what Jesus wanted. But where do you find such exceptions to the general rule? There are men and women who think for themselves, who, catching a glimpse of celestial visions, do not turn away and consult the opinion of any teacher as to the legitimacy or otherwise of listening to the voice which caused them from the cloud of glory. But following the dictates of their own souls, they answer, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth and thus are drawn into that communion of saints which needs no mediator, seeks the aid of no priest, and is rewarded by a vision of the true Shekinah from which the rendered veil of doubt is torn away, bringing them into the hallowed presence of the Lord. And this is where all of us can do this. We pray and we meditate. We may not hear the word of God, but we may be inspired by it. And I kind of go through my life trying to, when I sit down and I write, I just try to open my mind and I go with the flow. I don't hear a certain voice, and but I know a lot of things I write is uh, is not me, or at least I'm being inspired. <clears throat> I owe it all to higher power. Not that I know what I'm saying. That, but at least is that know that within you by studying and reading about spiritism understanding the the number of spirits your own guardian angel other spirits they're there to help you they're there to answer your question you don't need to say and pray in a certain manner or with a certain shawl you can just think hard meditate and, and just say please open my mind and, and please help me solve this problem or whatever the answer will come to you or you might get a call from uncle bob saying Hey, I, you know, can you do this? Now? All of a sudden, that solves your problem. You never know where it comes. And these are the subtle, the subtle signs from God that happen, but you just think they're coincidences. I talked to this lady one time, a wonderful lady, and she had this great psychic power. And she had an NDE, and she just saw these things, but she couldn't really work. But she still tried to help uh, veterans with her PSTD. And, but she didn't make any money. And then, out of the blue, she was given the uh, the the ability to live in the house for free, and her job was just to watch this park. And I said, I said that that was an answer of of your longing from the spirit world. You were you had this vision. You weren't in good 
physical, mental shape for the physical world. You had no money coming in, and then you were given a house. You said, you don't think that that wasn't the spirit world that was giving that to you? Another guy who said that, who he was uh, a postman and retired, and he all of a sudden found out he had this mediumistic ability, and he was helping people in trouble too. And in his NDE, he said, yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know how, but somehow the money comes at certain, at always a good time, and I can just keep going on helping people. Well, I know how. The spirit world, through manipulation of people and by inspiring people, makes sure somehow he gets the money. These are the signs. We, we put them, oh, it's just a coincidence, because we, we have a tendency, you know, to, to be materialistic and to not believe that the spirit world is really helping us all the time. It's like a five-year-old who goes around and see things like pre-made for him and goes, oh, it's there, right? Without seeing the, without seeing the parent or the teacher in the room, you know, set everything up for him or her cute little things, right? They don't know. We're the same. Okay, let's carry on. With the great mass of religionists, such saints are accounted imaginative, superstitious. The victims of satanic delusions are slightly deficient in mental responsibility. Some few of the more charitable-minded in the church good-naturedly pity their credulity and kindly endeavor to persuade them to relinquish their folly. But the majority of the people and the teachers hold themselves aloof from the blasphemy they speak and thunder the guns of warning from the fortress of traditions against all who lend an ear to the gospel such oracles proclaim. The face of the church is in these traditions of men, not in, in the living, never speaking God. Hence, it is no wonder that the days of miracles are past, and men laugh at the idea of removing hillocks, much less mountains. Surely you do not believe in the literal fulfillment of that promise, Fred said. There are mountains physical, mental, and spiritual, he replied, and the latter are quite as difficult to remove as the former, perhaps even more so, and will require equally the power of God, but it can be done. Have you not just witnessed the removal of mountains of deformity? And that was people that were really deformed uh, in that concert before. I have indeed. How was it accomplished, he asked, not by assembling together of the great congregation and singing, we can do nothing, nothing, as our brethren on earth are taught to do, they came to work, and that every soul did its utmost was attested by the result. Before Siamese offered the invocation, which secured that visible response, he had ensured himself that his and their unaided powers were put forth and exhausted, and being confident that of himself he could do no more. He invoked the strength which was beyond and above, and God would have broken troth if he had not honored such faith. He had not to detail his desires, elaborate his wish, or discourse on the benefits and glory to accrue. His cry was prophetic thanksgiving for the strength he and every soul knew would be given to them. He was conscious of the fact that his requirement was already known. Everything which could be done in this hall was completed, and there was a pause in the service, an interval only to be terminated by divine action, and the waiting faith of the multitude captured that action by storm. God had not the power to tarry when assailed by such a force. Therefore, the sign descended, and with it the necessary energy to continue the work they had so confidently undertaken. It might and should be so on earth, but instead of healing, they inflict most grievous wounds and then send the sufferers here for remedy. So again, he's saying, 
you know, your own, your own unbelief is blinding you to what's happening. And your own unbelief is weakening your will to ask for what you need. And that's what we need to do. We need to fortify our will, fortify our focus, get rid of any primitive thoughts. And I know that's hard on earth. Absolutely. Get rid of any primitive thoughts and focus on how who we want to help, right? Because prayers that are that ask for eternal things like love and help for others and enlightenment for others, those are the ones that are answered probably the most thoroughly. They have not the opportunity, even if they had the power to do what I have witnessed here, I ventured to remark. God is too wise and just, he answered, to require or expect any man to perform an impossibility. But in those things which are well within their capacity, do, do men work according to that rule of faith which you have seen exemplified? Nay, verily. So he's saying exactly what I said. They're not, they're not using their force of will. Rather, forgetting that they are called to the high privilege of being workers together with God, have you have seen illustrated, they have been educated in the practice of doing nothing but asking God to do it all. When God works for man, it is always in conjunction with man. It is no canon of divine law that master shall do all the labor while the servant gives the orders. When you ask God to lay the cornerstone, you may rest assured that he will wait for you to get the foundations ready. But the earth idea of the matter is that a man has nothing to do but to tell God what he wants and then wait for it to be done. And the reference I already made to you to prayer for food in case of phantom will enable me to show you how many difficulties they place in the way, even if God did not did determine to do it all. Here he gives an example. Suppose that 10,000 pounds is prayed for to relieve a local distress. How is the money to be provided? We have no gold here. It is evident, therefore, it must be acquired by an overruling providence in connection with the commercial life of one of the petitioners. Well, the divine interposition takes place. An abandoned scheme or an unsexual transaction is revived upon improved prospects, and 10,000 more than was originally anticipated is gained. What is the result? In his commercial circle, the chosen agent is congratulated as a lucky dog, a remarkably shrewd fellow, or something of that kind. The money is banked. The recipient pats himself on the shoulder, and when he happens to think about the famine fund, consults with himself, and finally decides to contribute 20 pounds. It is very evident that both God and the poverty-stricken will be robbed of by any system of answer in that direction. Now let me suggest another. <laughs> okay, so he's showing, if all of a sudden someone gets this bunch of money, and it's not necessarily going to be for what the person needed. Uh, and I'll, let me read this. Now let me suggest another. Suppose our father determines the money shall reach the poor direct. And for that purpose, commission some messenger from this life to bear the gold to the treasurer in proper persona. If, when asked for the name of the donor, he was to speak the truth, it would not be long before they'd be ready to repeat the tragedy of Calvary for his blasphemy. So you see that God is powerless to intervene and reveals himself to the multitudes owing to this erroneous ideas which have been fostered and promulgated by teachers whose authority depends upon the discontinuance of visible signs. I am sorry to say your argument is only too true, but seeing that this error is the gradual accumulation of ages, how far are individuals held responsible? So what he is saying is that 
the whole thought processes of men in in this modern world of not believing in answers by God stalls the answers. But they still come. And let me give you an example. Uh, Chico Xavier, the great Brazilian medium, was in, uh, I believe, New York City. And the person that was accompanying him just left him. And Chico had no money and wasn't sure where to go. And, and the guy was, you should never leave him alone because he was just this wonderful medium, but he, he wasn't connected with the real world. And so he, and he wasn't dressed very well. And so he's walking along the street. And this shows you what the spirit world can do. And he wasn't sure, okay, where's not, where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, this limousine pulls up, and this lady gets out. And she goes, I want to help you. And he, and he goes, why? He goes, oh, well, I made a promise that my my son, would, if he got better, and I forgot this exactly. And the first the first bum I saw, and it's just, you know, called Chico a bum. He wasn't. He just wasn't dressed very well. I'm going to give him and help him. And she goes, well, I'm kind of stuck here in New York. I don't know how to get back. He goes, okay, get in my car. And they, she took him to a hotel and said, you're going to stay here for a week and, and we'll call and make sure that we'll, we'll, we'll get all the flights you need and get you back into Brazil. That's how, um, that's how it works, right? These things happen. Chico did not have this discrimination against the uh, the outward signs of spirits helping him. He was helped. Okay. Uh, let me carry on. Every circumstance influencing an individual, either one way or the other, is righteously taken into consideration in the judgments of the mist. But every man is held responsible for the full and right use of the intelligence with which he is endowed. When one declares his belief in an unchangeable God, who will reward every man according to the deeds done in the body, he is expected to order his conduct according to that rule, not to say that faith or belief is everything and works have no influence in salvation. Or again, to affirm that God did at one time communicate with men by visible and oral signs, but now has ceased to do so because he has completed his revelations. Such contradictions in word and practice are not flattering to intelligence and by no means serviceable in this time of judgment. Spiritual manhood can be only be attained by work, which is alike honoring to God and beneficial to your fellow man, and that religion alone is recognized that gains the commendation. He has done what he could. All beliefs and forms of creed have been left behind you before you reach the judgment, and no man will ever be asked a question respecting them, but the re record of your life must show that your love to God has been manifested by your love and devotion to men before you before you'll have the right or power to enter the rest, which remains. Again, he's saying that all of these, all of these uh, people, right, as, as you go over to heaven, is everything's been recorded, and they'll see what you've done. And, and have you been completely selfish and prideful, or have you tried to help others? And it doesn't mean you have to give them money. It just means you have to give them counseling and love, a shoulder to cry on, whatever. Then he says, Siamese and Kushna will show you some instances of harvest which have to be gathered here. And afterwards, I shall be pleased to accompany you to some of the homes of peace. May the rich blessings of our Father rest upon you in your endeavors to acquire the truth till we meet, meet again, peace. 
We reached the outside of the hall by this time where this noble messenger imparted his blessing to each of us and then departed to continue his mission to the other scenes. The Assyrian also took his leave at the same time, first inviting us to visit his home where Krishna found a convenient opportunity. Mayahina contributed considerably to my store of information. His indictment was heavy but true as regards to earth. While the emphasis he gave to it made me sad, but for one fact, the position assumed in his argument opened a door of hope before me, and now he was gone. I could see the door was still ajar. Now, what was left unsaid in this chapter is that the spirit, after everything he saw, which was contrary to what he had learned uh, in the in his formal religious classes and so on and so forth, he wants to go back. And he wants to communicate to people what he saw and what is really going on uh, on earth. So, uh, if you, you know, what I would do, please, if you're interested in spiritism and learning what, how we are so interconnected with, with people, read the spirits book. You know, I already gave you my uh, free PDF, um, which you can download from my site, nwspiritism.com. Uh, Spiritism 101, the third revelation. But also, and of course you can get on uh, in PDF. Just type in Alan Kardak space PDF. You can download the Spirit Book. You can also get it. If you click on the picture of Alan Kardak, it'll take you to the FEB workstore, uh, book site. You can order the book there. Of course, you can, you know, as I said, you can find it in PDF. You can get it on Amazon.com. Uh, I read it in PDF first, and then I ordered my copy from the FEB workstore. I like their uh, copy better than anybody else and actually it's cheaper than amazon although with the shipping and if you have prime i'm not quite sure if you would like to learn more about the spirit realm and you want to know how to live your life in order to rise into heaven i suggest my book how to live inner peace through spiritism this was this is based on a communication from the spirit Andre louise to the medium chico xavier Unreleased wrote a poem of, I think, 24 verses, and they were very short, but it was like step-by-step step of how to live your life in order to ascend and be ready when you're in heaven. And I take each short verse, and I expand what I believe is meant to it and how to achieve that state by using examples from other spiritist mediums. And then lastly, if you want to learn more about the spirit realm, then the physical realm and who you are, and and what life is all about. What what are you as a spirit? How do you grow as a spirit? I recommend you read the spirit realm. Spiritism has revealed the reality of our existence. I take knowledge from all that I've read, all anything in English, some in actually other languages, and uh, in mediums meetings and uh, YouTube videos by mediums in Portuguese that I help. My wife helps me. I don't understand it that well. But again, this is just putting knowledge in front of you. This is not saying that, you're, you know, anything bad's going to happen to you. It, it's just that you're just delaying your knowledge and your ascendancy. Because you're, you're going to live forever. You're immortal. You've got plenty of chances. You know, and even those who have done terrible things on Earth, they'll be put in the lower zone, the dark abyss. They, too, one day will ascend to a higher level. God is loving and just and no one is forgotten. There's no eternal punishment. There's only punishment in these lower zones. 
in, it's it's more edification is where you go where there's others like you. You find out that oh, I don't like to be with others like me. I want something better, and that's kind of the the plea the spirit world hears, and that's where these these people in the previous chapter came from, and they decided they wanted a better life, and the spirit world answered their prayers and said, okay, we're going to help you. Anyway, I want to thank everyone for being here tonight, and again, uh, uh, thank you, and God bless all of you. God bless. <laughs>